Hey everyone, you're listening to Midnight Mass on 3CR 855am. It's Gabby here to supply your weekly dose of Psytrance. Tonight we have a pretty packed show. For the first 20 minutes I'll be talking with Warp Drive about an essential for every music producer out there and that's the production of Kick and Bass. We'll be specifically looking at it from a Psytrance perspective. Warp Drive will be taking us step by step with his Kick and Bass production process. After that we'll be delving into a 40 minute set of some of my favourite freshly released Forest Eye. And just a disclaimer that me and Warp Drive did follow Victorian lockdown rules during the recording. Just thought I'd mention it just in case. You never know who's going to be knocking on your door during times like these. Well anyway, let's get the show started. So we are joined by the regular guest Warp Drive Mm. today to talk about music production, specifically about kick and bass in Psytrance. The age-old topic. Yes. So Warp (laughs) Drive, thank you for this interview. My pleasure. Thank you for having me again. Beautiful. So let's get started on today's topic. Mm. Um, Since I've started music production, maybe a couple of years ago, a little bit more than Mm. that... I realize that there are usually two groups of people. Uh-oh. The first group are people who really enjoy making their own kick and bass and usually tweak it to perfection. And that's usually what they start off with when they're starting a new track and, you know, they're very excited about doing it. And then there's group number two, which is me, uh-huh. who finds kick and bass really daunting to do Mm. and I just prefer just to go straight into you know creating the synths and the atmospheres and the sound effects to me that's more fun than Mm. creating kick and bass so my first question is how do people like me who find it a little bit difficult to get into creating a kick and bass how can I make it more approachable for myself Well, let me preface my answer by saying that I am no expert either. Um, I have had the benefit of failing many times, though, and making many shitty kicking bases. Um, And I have also had the benefit, uh, which helped immensely, um, of getting tutoring from one of my favorite artists, Takasha, who's a Brazilian guy in the full-on scene who's just, like, killing it. Um, I think probably uh, outside of tutoring, like, my number one tip would be uh, if like one of your favorite artists is doing tutoring or there are like online resources, which there are, um, probably the leverage something like that. Like I know right now, um, maybe, maybe now, I think maybe for the next month or something, there's this like, um, online, uh, like music Academy from, I think like, um, it's like an Indian based online thing, which like a bunch of, um, Psytrance artists were actually doing, uh, like seminars and there was like, you know, things on kick and bass, things on sound design. It's artists like, you know, earth space, uh, who else? I think Udastira, like there was a bunch of forest artists, a bunch of full on artists, but like lots of artists like doing that kind of stuff. I'd like my number one tip would be to find resources from experienced artists mm-hmm. um, and see so if like, like on YouTube or yeah, potentially YouTube like paid ones um, on like artists Patreons are good yep. too because I mean like the really like super experienced, really successful like you know heavyweight psytrance artists don't really make a lot of like YouTube videos. Yeah, they have stuff like you know tutoring or Patreon or like um, you know paid services usually. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that kind of stuff's really helpful. You can even honestly like reach out to them and ask them for tips um, on how to do their kick and base. Aside from that, though, like you know, that's kind of like you know a slightly less approachable answer. But like my number two tip would probably be to like reference um, like reference tracks that you like. What I typically do because I do like make my own kick and bases, like the kick and the bass. I use Kick Two for the kick um, and then Serum and a bunch of post processing for the bass. Um, and what I usually do is I find a track I like, I pull it into Ableton, I literally find like a, the cleanest part of the kick and bass I can. And then I'll use ProQ3, uh, which is a Fab Filter plugin, um, which lets you, it lets you do an overlay of other instances of ProQ on different channels. So you can literally like overlay um, the channel for the kick over your kick and then see the frequency spread as you tweak yours and you can sort of just a b them and bounce like you know listen to one listen to yours listen to one listen to yours like over and over and tweak it until you start to get in the right ballpark so you're um, looking more at the visuals over here but you're also oh, listening but yeah, both, both but you're, yeah. you're using the visual cue and also yeah the, the hearing part yeah the hearing I mean, part of your ears yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. definitely no other part um, <laughs> But uh, it's definitely, like I've said it before, and sort of like, you know, especially when you're like less experienced, um, in my experience, I have found like um, it can be difficult to trust your ears because you kind of, I've found that part of um, part of the experience of like learning to make better music is actually like uh, tuning your ears for what to listen to. So it's like at the very start, like your ears are kind of useless um, and kind of like don't actually like tell you what you need to know. Uh, which can be really tricky because like, you know, and especially um, given how uh, how subjective and unreliable uh, like your ears can be um, like over time as they get fatigued and you get used to the sound. Because so, you're like, you'll keep listening to your king bass and you keep tweaking it and you'll be like, wow, this sounds like top notch. And then you'll like, you know, compare it to a reference track and you'll be like, oh my God, what have I been doing mm. for like the past six hours? Mm-hmm. So it's like I find it helps to like be referencing both visually and audio like audially audially um, from the start when you're trying to make it uh, and then really try and dial it in. And I mean like you pretty much want to get like as close as possible like your reference track. Yeah, because it's kind of like you know if if you aim to get as close as possible, you'll sort of reach a point where you start to get to like where you kind of prefer yours. Because um, you may, you know, you'll sort of find a place that won't be exactly the same, but it'll be like pretty close and it'll be the same vibe anyway. Um, and if you are referencing, find something that's the same BPM and the same key, because if it's in a different key, you'll never match the vibe. Because mm-hmm. um, if they're in different notes, they'll just have a different vibe. Like D sharp is like a lot darker and like heavier mm-hmm. than like a track in G. Yep. So if you're referencing a different note, you're going to have a different vibe to your reference track and you'll never ever be able to match it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Cool. So, uh, two top tips: tutoring, referencing. Tutoring and <laughs> referencing. Cool. So, how about let's get into a step by step. Okay. So, what is your first step, and then your preceding steps for a kick and bass? Okay. First step: find a reference track. Pull that in. Um, pull out a piece of the kick and bass that is uh, like as clean as possible. Um, then I would make a channel for my kick, and put kick two on it because that's what I use for kick and bass um I kind of just like lay out the well with the kick you want to also know how long a kick you're actually trying to make um so for like full on for example kicks are typically an eighth um in length so on Ableton you can highlight an eighth and you'll see how many how much time in milliseconds um and there's a lot of like good tutorials like collect intelligence does a good one that's where I learned how to use kick two from way back in the day um 
and you can find a good like tutorial on using kick two uh, online but typically you know you set it to the right time in milliseconds you sort of draw in the uh, pitch curve uh, and then you draw in the uh, volume the amp envelope um, and the amp envelope will kind of control the frequency of your kick as well because from sort of start to finish um, high to uh, you're going from high to low on the frequency spectrum so it's sort of like if you do want to cut like you know at 600 hertz you can use the amp envelope to do that because it sort of functions as an EQ because of the way uh, you move through the frequency spectrum over time um, and again like you kind of want to just compare this to your reference track and you can even like um, in kick 2 you can render out the kick and then like you know overlay it over your reference track kick and see if the general oscillation of the sine wave is kind of similar meaning you have a diff like a similar um, like pitch at certain points in the kick um, and like you know it sounds really sort of anal to do it that way and it sounds really kind of like you know copycat and all that but it's like that's kind of how you learn to use it effectively and it's like after a lot of practice you know you'll be able to um, you know break away and do your own thing but when you're first learning it can be really useful to reference like really really closely like as closely as possible until you sort of understand like how to make a good sound and what sounds good because um, you don't really want to with a kick you don't really want it to have like too much high end or too much mids or too much low end or just sound flabby so you kind of like um, when you're like learning that way you're teaching yourself what to actually what actually sounds good and like you'll learn after making like you know more tracks you'll kind of learn what sounds good in the mix as well because like a super low end heavy kick might sound good on its own it's gonna you know like shake your speakers in your mm -hmm. room and all that but it's gonna sound real shit in the mix when you mm -hmm. got like a really low end heavy kick um, and that's why you'll kind of notice like uh, typically kicks are kind of like quieter at the start and the end and they're sort of like they peak in loudness roughly like halfway through-ish um, but so I'd make the kick and then I would move on to the uh, bass um, and I kind of circle back between them but so after I sort of like make the kick and play with that for a while um, I use uh, serum to make the bass so I'll you know put serum in uh, sort of draw in like a rough um, bass kind of envelope and you usually use a saw wave yes that's correct yeah yeah um, that's sort of like the what's typically used in styles like full on I think in prog you can use like square waves are more commonly used for like you know sort of slidey bases um, but I just use saw waves uh, and usually just the default one's good it's got a lot of harmonics it's real nice um, the thing with this uh, and I'll kind of explain why it's kind of it de does deviate a little bit from a saw wave um, but what I do is I put serum down uh, I'll sort of draw in the like you know, I'll get something that sounds initially good in Serum. Then I put um, Fab Filters Satin on it. Uh, Trans X, which is a Waves plugin. Um, what else? Trans X. Uh, R Base, which is just a like uh, it's a saturator, but specifically designed for like sub frequencies and low end, which is another Waves plugin. Um, and Ableton's Multiband, and I just use that to just um, like bring up the uh, high end. Um, by the way, I'll put those in the notes, That'll in the show notes, <laughs> um, just in case if you didn't catch that, you can't remember, I will put it in yeah. the information of the podcast episode. The order of it is important as well, and usually it is um, Serum, Satin, R-Base, Trans-X, Multiband, 
um, like Ableton's multiband. Uh, and the thing is with R-Bass, because it's a low-end saturator, I usually set it to the um, fundamental frequency. So it'll be like, you know, something like 40 to 60 hertz or whatever the, like, you know, fundamental of the note you're in is. Um, and then what I'll do is because it, you know, it gives it like tons and tons of sub, I'll go into Serum and I'll use the uh, wavetable editor in it to bring down the first harmonic. Um, because rather than using EQ, which um, I picked this up from uh, Tron's kick and bass tutorial actually, which is on YouTube and it's really good. Uh, rather than use the EQ, which is like more destructive and kind of after the fact, you can go directly to the source of synthesis and you can uh, like edit the wavetable, like the waveform. Mm, um, in this room, oh yeah, you can yeah, edit Yeah, to bring yeah, down the room. first harmonic. Yeah. And you can do that with like a bunch of the harmonics. Rather than using EQ, which is a really common thing to boost the mm -hmm. like different harmonics in the saw wave, you just do it directly from the wavetable editor mm -hmm. and you'll see the wave changes. Um, and when it does, and if you do what I've uh, said, like just bring down the fundamental, it'll kind of take on a um, slightly asymp like asymptotic shape where the rather than being a saw wave with just straight diagonal lines, the diagonal lines will kind of curve in towards the like you know center horizontal line yeah and when it does that you can um bring back the uh the start of the phase to um like slightly earlier but still at a zero crossing so it um it has a nice click to it but it kind of doesn't sound like uh i don't know there's it gets this weird sort of like phasey sound if you sort of put it somewhere that's not a zero crossing mm -hmm. um and what I'll do with that after I've actually got like a tone that I like is something I've started doing recently is using um, Ableton Sampler. And so usually like a lot of people will render out like the, uh, will render out the bass note um, and then use that as audio. Um, and something else Ableton's Sampler and probably like, you know, a lot of other samplers can do is it lets you do glides between notes. So you can get like kind of um, bass note glides, mm -hmm. which is kind of like a more proggy style, but it can be a really cool effect. Um, and you can like, you know, automate the filter, by like open and stuff and mm -hmm. um, just generally like do interesting things with it. So that's kind of like my current method for doing my kick and bass. But it's taken years to figure out how to make a like competent kick and bass. Yeah, and you tweak it quite all a lot. Time. You tweak it all the yeah, time. Yeah, it takes fucking forever. But it's always the first. I mean, I think it might be a good point to say that your first draft might not be your last draft of the no, kick and bass. Yeah. Oh, it, that's um, that's kind of another thing about working in Ableton is that um, there's features in it where you can hot swap samples. So you can, for instance, if you update your kick, you can then hot swap that like the audio for the like sample that is in your project and update it everywhere and then if you're using a sampler for the bass like um i've suggested you can also just swap out the audio sample so mm -hmm. if you decide you want to update your kick and bass like you know that way lets you update it through your entire track like relatively easily mm -hmm. um and you do want to kind of be able to update it like uh, as you work because as you kind of like start mixing things you'll sort of realize like you know your bass needs more click or your kick doesn't cut through the mix enough or it needs more mm -hmm. mids or less mids or it's too subby so you might need to like you know um thin out like quieten the tail of it a little so you got less low end and um it definitely is not something you do at the very start in complete isolation and then leave it be like maybe you'll get yeah. lucky and it'll be sweet from the beginning but mm -hmm. typically like uh you'll end up tweaking it as you finish the track quite yes. a bit Okay. Well, that kind of gets me into the next question. You mentioned cool. mixing. Yeah. So once you get the main character of the kick and bass down, mm -hmm. what is your advice in EQing and mixing it into the track? 
Um, in terms of mixing, like, there's not that much um, to it. Like the kick and bass themselves, like I don't really, I don't EQ them very much at all. Um, like I sort of prefer to go from the source. Like I said with the kick, you can um, you can sort of EQ it by controlling the amp envelope, and with the bass, you can uh, EQ it by uh, changing the wavetable to mm. you know move harmonics up and down. Um, in terms of actually mixing them into the track, like with Psytrance, in my experience and from what I've sort of seen and heard of other people's processes, it's not that complicated. You just kind of like low cut pretty much everything that like is playing while your kick and bass are playing. Mm. Um, that obviously doesn't mean low cut everything religiously. Like you do kind of just want to like see what sounds good and what feels good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I what's the general like? I typically generally low cut um, between sort of two to two set 200 to 270 hertz okay um on almost like everything that's playing while the kick and bass are playing like i let more low end frequencies in when the kick and bass aren't playing like during breaks or during breakdowns yeah there's a sort of the concept and understanding of bass is like all about low end but it's really not um with kick and bass uh it's like more about getting like a good healthy amount of like low uh sorry high and mid end mm-hmm. in it because like psytrance bass like needs to cut through the mix and it doesn't need a lot of like um you know mid frequencies in it. and that's why you get like a lot of um a lot of uh like saturation and distortion based uh post-processing because i mean the way uh, fab filters satin is used is to add harmonics transx is also it's a um, multi-band uh transient shaper um and that also adds uh high-end like ableton's multi-band and i use that to add more high-end and mid-range as well because um, you don't just want to have this like super low-end flabby thing you need to have like a kick and bass that has like a ton of like you know mid body um, and that's what makes it sound really really good um I don't know. I don't think I really that's have all that good. much else. I think you gave us a lot of information. Ah, good. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Warp Drive. Oh, you're welcome. My pleasure. We just heard a discussion I had with Warp Drive about the production of kick and bass in Psytrance. You can find the notes of the plugins he uses when I will upload the podcast tomorrow. Now it's night side time. I've rounded up some freshly released forest sci for you all. My opening track is Magic Link by Terratech.
is by Photon's new track called Abstract Orientation. It's from the fresh new VA by Banyan Records called Hypnotic Rituals. There are lots of other awesome tracks on there if you want to check it out. That's all the time we have for tonight. You can find the full show track list on 3cr.org.au forward slash Midnight Mass. Midnight Mass will be back next week on Wednesday at 11pm. I'm wishing you all a good night and sweet dreams.